Wow. Can we give one up for Jesus here tonight? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. At times I lose my English and it just goes tongues. I go tongues on you. Hallelujah. And then I spend the next hour interpreting it. Hallelujah. Oh, man, it's so good to be here. I feel like I'm home. Um, literally, this is a home away from home for me. I am a West Coast boy. I'm from Alaska originally. So that's technically, you know, Pacific Rim, you know, West Coast, whatever. Hey, but man, there is just such a, a, a like a, a vortex of glory. I could go a billion different directions here tonight. And I'm just asking the Lord, Lord, we have all these rabbit trails. Which one should I shoot down? Hallelujah. It's like a whirlwind. That's how it is. The prophetic. I was telling Ms. Glenda. I call her Ms. Glenda. Hallelujah. I don't know why. Ever since I moved to South Carolina, something happened. I don't know. Something's gotten in there. It just comes out through my tongue every now and then. Ms. Glenda. I love Ms. Glenda. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, something happened to me. I, I grew up like at a Baptist church. Hey, I did. But I... <laughs> Some got on me. Something got in me. Whoa! I've been baptized so much now. I've been baptized so much in the Holy Ghost. There's just no going back. There's no going back. I, a few years back, I got around this guy named Todd Bentley. My God. My God. Whoa! Just to be with that guy is like to be with a roller coaster. A man that is a roller coaster of glory and revival. And man, I tell you, I feel the spirit of revival, you guys. I feel the spirit of revival burning. I mean, God's heart right now is so intense about birthing a fresh move of God right now in America. I'm telling you, I I do not, every time I get up and preach, and every time God does a blowout, like we're going to experience here tonight, hallelujah, whoa, I ask the Lord, I'm saying, Lord, why wasn't it tonight? Like, why did it happen? What is holding this thing back? Hallelujah. Aren't you guys ready to see a, a, a new move of God in America? I'm telling you, God's ready to break us out of this vicious cycle of just trading church members. Oh my gosh, it's so vicious. It's horrible. It makes me want to throw up. Especially when God has brand new babies. He's ready to birth. He's ready to birth millions of them right now. I mean, you have these young people, you have these millennials, and what do you even call a pre-millennial? I think I'm an older millennial, but what do you even call them? Like baby millennials? I don't know. They're out there marching. They're marching, and they're marching for the gun rights. They're marching for issues and social change and whatever. And God is ready to give them a real purpose to march for. I'm telling you, that militancy that we were talking about tonight, God's ready to put a militancy in their heart because that's what they're searching for. They're truly searching for purpose. But how many of you guys know that true purpose is birthed out of the divine? It's birthed out of God. It's birthed out of the eternal. God is ready to raise up a new Jesus people movement in our day. He's ready. He's ready. There's many that have come forth. There's many that have foreran this. Guys like even my friend Todd Bentley, he was a forerunner of it. You know, before there was a Todd White, there was a Todd Bentley in Canada out there wrecking the streets of BC with power evangelism. Right? And then, you know, God's raised up Todd White and God's raised up so many countless other. I mean, we're here in Reading here. You guys, what did you guys invent treasure hunting, I think, right? I think so. I think it started somewhere, maybe a block down the road or something. But, you know, this thing has been percolating. This, this thing has been forming now for, it seems like, forever. 
And I'm telling you, it has an end game. I'm telling you, it's building towards something. It's not all just charismatic, for lack of a better term, frenzy. I, I love that frenzy. Hallelujah. But it's not just buzz. It's not just excitement. Okay, It's building towards something real, something tangible, something that will, I believe, shift a nation. Shift a nation back to God. And there's so many elements in it. There's so many different things that God that, that God is pouring into it. I'm telling you, it is going to be a move of joy. It is going to be a move of laughter again. It is going to be a move a, a move of unexpress, inexpressible joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. It's going to be all those things, but it's going to have incredible holiness. It's going to have incredible purity. It's going to have something so unlike the spirit of this world. It's going to, I'm serious. It's going to birth a brand new company of people that look nothing like this world, that are completely free of the spirit of this world. And yes, in the eyes of men, in the eyes of carnality, they're going to be weird. They're going to be out there. They're going to be, woo, hallelujah. Who was that guy? You know, I've been talking a lot about this guy named Finney, Charles G. Finney. And he had a saying. He said, there is such a thing as being so deeply imbued by the Spirit of God that you must and you will appear to be weird and eccentric to those that look at you and do not understand the work of the Spirit that's happening in your life. That's a Finney quote. I have no idea how I remembered that. I wrote that on my Bible when I was 14 years old. Just pulled it somewhere out of the cortex there. Hey, in the glory. Hey, shakarabayambarabaya. Woo! But I'm telling you, I'm sitting there on the chair tonight. It's like Jesus is speaking, like clearly, like right into my ear, like Jesus the prophet. That's my first prophetic word. Jesus the prophet hangs out here. Amen. This is the eagle's nest. Woo! Shambrakayebrabaya. Jesus. And there is this such clear revelation coming forth. But, you know, one of the things that he told me, Ms. Glenda, hey, she could have, yeah, is he said something to me that he obviously spoke to you because it came out of your spirit that the angels are carrying scrolls and we're going to minister out the scrolls uh, the next couple days, tonight and tomorrow. Whoa, she did it. But that has been my ministry. Like Glenda said, I was visited by Jesus at 19 years old, face-to-face, in Alaska. I became hungry for the presence of God. I became hungry to encounter the Lord. I grew up, yes, in a dead religious church. I grew up in a church where I never saw anything even remotely supernatural. And then when I found out that God is still supernatural, I'm like, no way. Are you kidding me? Like, there's still revival. It's, like, real. It's not, like, theoretical. It's just something we read, you know, in, in, the, in the good old book. Hallelujah. When I discovered that it was, was real, that it was tangible, man, did it excite me. Man, did it ignite me. Did that happen to anybody else? I know that's why a lot of you are here. Hallelujah. But I went after it. I'm like one of those guys that when I figure something out, when I find out I can have something, I just go after it with everything with everything. I quit everything else. I shut everything else out of my life and I just go for it. And literally, I locked myself in my room for like five months. And then to my incredible bewilderment and surprise and shock and awe, Jesus showed up one night. Jesus appeared to me. He's walking around outside my door and it's dark. And I'm like, who's walking around out there? And I went and opened the door and there's these two burning eyes just hanging, suspended in the air. These two burning eyes. And I heard a voice that sounded like it was mixed with water. And the voice said, I have sought you with burning eyes. Now that I have you, remain mine. And it was like there was a possession. It was like the hand of God came on my life 
uh, that, that night at 19 years old in Alaska, and nothing has ever been the same since. There, there's something about my life. I, like, live these biblical stories. It's crazy. I was, like, drug into Joseph's pit. Hallelujah. Prophet in training. Hey. He comes to me, he appears to me, he tells me all these dreams of greatness and all this like calling, all these different things he's going to use me to do, you know, that I'm beginning to step into some of it now. And then just like Ms. Glenda said, hallelujah, she said, at the end of the encounter, he says, come with me into the wilderness. And I was like perplexed, you know. I was kind of, you know, leaning, kind of a grace guy at that time. And I was like, I thought you did my wilderness for me. You know, finish work, you know, throw it in that bundle. Woo, hey. Ah, that's a lot of things that those grace guys got to discover. It's like, no, you get to do things with Jesus. Hallelujah. He didn't just check it off the list all for you. No, you get to do things with him. It's not just sharing in his resurrection power. Oh, that's right. You need to carry that cross with him. Oh, yeah, that's right. You get to carry that thing with him. You get to die with him day after day. Hallelujah. I die daily. But that's where the glory is. Amen. That's where the glory is. That's true Christianity. That's the apostolic gospel. Hey, hallelujah, I'm following Jesus. I get to die. Right? And that is a major conflict in the American Western church today. There's a major conflict with something else that has been birthed that's not even the real church. It's not even the real gospel. It's an amalgamation. It's some transformation. It's it's something that's grown out of even culture, even a spirit that's in culture, that God's saying, you know what? I'm not supporting that. I'm not standing next to that. I'm not going to pour out my spirit on that. And if the spirit of God's not moving there, then what is? What is? It's called familiar spirits in many cases. Familiar spirits. That's why they're called familiar spirits, because they're pretty familiar. Hallelujah. Bless God. I just got into that. Hey, <laughs> but uh, I'm ministering out of some scrolls here, just so you know. Every now and then this, the Lord shows up or some angel shows up and they got a new scroll. And I eat the scroll and I just prophesy out of it for months and for years. I'm going to prophesy over several. I'm really excited about tonight because I get to prophesy out of the breakthrough revival scroll. Hallelujah. Oh, God has breakthrough revival for this nation. I'm telling you, it has been appointed for this nation that this nation will be shaken by the power of God again. This nation will experience a mighty outpouring of the Spirit and will experience a mighty influx of end-time harvest. It has been appointed for this nation a restoration of what God calls awakening. Awakening. No, it will not be able to be contained in the church. It will not be able to be contained in just revival. Hey, something's happening in the church. It will pour over into culture. It will challenge those spirits that are threatening the society of America, that is threatening culture right now. And yes, it does have militancy on it. That's right. It does have militancy on it. It has everything that is against this PC culture in America. It has everything that is against this anti-Christ spirit that is trying to put its boot on the church right now, trying to put its heel on us when we're supposed to be putting our heel and crushing his skull. Even manifestly in culture. But I'm telling you, it's not going to happen through people 
that have given over to that spirit. And it's like, oh, we don't want to cause waves, Stephen. We don't want to cause division, divisions from the devil. Really? I read in my Bible in Revelations 2 where Jesus himself brings the sword and brings the division. You know, that's what happens whenever you cut somebody in half. You divide them. That's what Jesus said. He said, if you do not repent, I'm coming to divide you. Well, Stephen, all divisions from the devil, we rebuke you. Really? What if Jesus is trying to separate you from something that's trying to kill you? What if he's trying to cut a cancer out that you're holding on to as the gospel? Really, it'll kill you. Really, it'll lead you into apostasy. And I'm not saying you, you, I'm prophesying. So just flow with me. But you understand what I'm saying? This is one of my Gabriel encounters. He's been showing me these cancers. These huge cancers. You remember when David said, I've desired truth on the inward parts. Right? The inward parts. So a lot of times I see these prophetic experiences and there's truth and there's all kinds of things in there. But lately I've been seeing these bodies and, you, and, and, and they open up and it's got cancer. It's all filled with cancer. It doesn't even have organs anymore. This is some of my prophetic experiences lately. And there's some things that have literally grown. They've literally matured. There's millions and billions of dollars behind some of them. Even right here in the church. Right here in the church. Things that have been protected. Things that have been padded again. Things that have, have, we put up walls and said, oh, you can't touch that. You can't touch that. Well, I'm telling you, God's not only going to touch it, He's going to forcibly remove a lot of it in this season because it is threatening His bride. It is threatening His bride. He has called us, yes, to be a friend to sinner, to reach those that walk in darkness, but He has not called us to make unholy alliances with the world. He has not called us to make unholy alliances with culture. There comes a time where, yes, you got to take out that sword and you got to use it. you got to effectively use it. God has given you a sword. It's called the Word of Truth. It's there to set people free. It's there to set the captive free. In some cases, we've intellectualized and we've reasoned the gospel into a place of some sort of intellectual attainment or some sort of intellectual agreement. And we think that, hey, if we can't get to some sort of intellectual agreement, if we offend them before we get there, then we can't deliver the gospel. But I'm telling you, Jesus unabashedly at times took out that sword and just started hacking with it. He took it out and just started hacking with it. And he didn't bother to explain himself in many cases. Why? Because the truth is something you release. You don't try to do the Holy Spirit's job for him. You let him do his job. He's the one that convicts. He's the one that convinces. He's the one that converts. You're not the one that converts. They can't come to Jesus unless the Holy Spirit draws them to begin with. Bam. Yes, Lord. You guys hearing me tonight? Once again, this isn't my three-point sermon. I'm ministering out of a scroll. And this scroll lately, one of the scrolls that I received lately was one of intense dealings. Intense dealings of God with America. And you see, I was actually here, and I wanted to kind of connect the dots here tonight. I'm getting into some stuff. I'm trying to get some other stuff done first, but oh man, it's just drawing me into it. Bam. Uh Holy Ghost. You see, that's what's been happening in my meetings lately. 
And angels just come and touch people. Holy Ghost just comes and touch people. And it messes up my meaning. Hallelujah, Lord. Mess up my meaning all the more. Just mess it up. I'm so sick of doing meetings at times. I just want the glory. Is there anybody else there with me? I just want the glory. Mess up my meeting. Mess up my ministry. In fact, destroy it. Completely annihilate it. Completely take it down. I don't want my ministry. I don't want my ministry. I want the ministry of Jesus. Oh, but his ministry got him killed in less than three years. And it would have happened sooner if he didn't have divine protection. And it wasn't just the things that he did. It was the things that he said. If you're going to preach the apostolic gospel that Jesus and the apostle Paul and the early church preached with the effectiveness that they preached it with, you better be prepared to let go of the PC spirit and own that target. Come on, somebody. This isn't, you know, unhealthy thinking or unhealthy emotionalism. This is the spirit of the martyr that's entering back into the American church. The spirit of the martyr. You know what the spirit of the martyr is? It's Revelations 12. They love not their lives unto the death. They love not their lives. But we're taught it's all about our best life now. Oh, that's right. I said it. I said it. Did that? You think that message would have taken in the early church? It's not about your, it's about your best life now. Really? Well, let's not get eaten by lions today. Right? I don't want my son to be fed to a lion in front of a bunch of demonized Romans to watch lions tear my little boy apart. Oh yeah, this was the spirit of Christianity in the early church. And from the greatest sacrifice comes the greatest power. That's right, saints. You get to bear that cross with your Lord. That's why there's no power in the American church anymore. That's why there's no power. There's no martyrs. And I'm not talking, you know, some sadistic, hey, shoot me, ah, whatever. I'm not talking crazies. I'm talking people that allow such a deep work of God, such a deep pruning, such a deep work of God to take place inside of them where literally they look nothing like they used to look. They're being transformed. From glory to glory, they're being transformed into the same image. They count not their lives unto the death. But you know, I have to connect the dots here. Because you guys need to know this prophetically. You need to know this prophetically. Glenda and Timothy and this house, the leadership here. A lot of the stuff that we've been involved in for the last year with the spirit of breakthrough. I don't know how much of you guys have heard what all is shaking on the East Coast right now, but there's some major stuff that's shaking right now. I mean, my brother Todd Bentley is losing his mind. Hallelujah. In a good way. In a good way. He's renting stadiums again. Hallelujah. (laughs) The Lord said, I'm restoring stadium harvest in America. And it was like five days before Billy Graham went home. And then Billy Graham went home, and everybody started pulling on those prophecies, and they're like, yeah, God's restoring stadium revival in America. <laughs> How many of you guys have been feeding on some of that? Oh, man, it's powerful. I'm telling you, it's powerful. It's moving. But what a lot of you guys don't know is a lot of the stuff that we're involved in right now, even in filling stadiums come this fall, okay, on the East Coast, it all started with the word that Timothy gave me. 
It all started right here the first time I came to this church last year in the month of February. I sat down with a cup of coffee and Timothy began to prophesy over me. And in case you're wondering, that's a good idea. Have a cup of coffee. <laughs> Buy this man a cup of coffee. Have him prophesy over you. Praise God. Your, your phone's going to be ringing off the hook now. Hey, <laughs> But he's a real prophet. And God releases words through prophets that shift things. Shift things. Literally. And he prophesied to me that God was going to send me to New York. And God was going to give me a revival in New York. At that time, last year, a year ago, I had no invites to New York whatsoever. Like, no openings. Within three days of being prophesied over by him here in Reading, my first door opened to New York. Within three weeks, I was in New York. And on that visit, I was visited by two very powerful angels that work in revival in America. The first angel that visited me was an angel named Breakthrough Revival. Have you guys ever heard of this angel named Breakthrough Revival? Anybody? Well, in case you don't know some of the prophetic history, he kind of first showed up on a lot of people's radars. And, of course, he's been around forever. But he showed up on a lot of people's radars when he visited Randy Domain in 2004 in Nigeria. Randy Domain was visited by this angel in a crusade he was hosting in Nigeria in 2004. And he said when this angel showed up on the scene, it was like the whole crusade grounds turned into the atmosphere of heaven. And he said he saw the most amazing, outstanding miracles that he'd ever seen in his life in ministry. It was the anointing to say it and to see it. Literally, you say the word of knowledge. You say, hey, lady in the wheelchair, God is. And before you even get out of your mouth, she shoots out of the wheelchair. And we were talking about such an anointing. How many guys believe that those realms exist still? They exist here in America still. Oh, and that's a part of my prophetic word for you. You asked me earlier in the anointing to give you a prophetic word. I asked the Lord for a prophetic word for you tonight. You can go ahead and stand to your feet. And I got one from heaven. Whoa, she get it up by you. I saw you as a papa. And then I saw the word Papa appear over your head. Even I'm seeing it right now. Hallelujah. But it was like an acronym, and it was P-O-Pop. It was POP. And the Lord said, you're going to open, you're going to pop open portals. P-O-P. You're going to pop open portals. And the Lord says, you've been strategically placed, and you've been strategically preserved, Prophet Timothy, for such a time as this, because there are some things that need to be passed down to a new class of Elijah prophets, to a new class of prophetic people that's rising up. There's some things that need to be passed down and need to be preserved, which many people in my generation are forgetting. They're forgetting. Whoa! And the Lord said, it is not complete. The Lord says, what I have desired to pass down, even in a double portion capacity, it is not complete, and you are called to be a part of that passing. You are called to be a part of that raising up. And the Lord says, I'm going to send you places, and I'm going to pop open portals in different places as you go, and as you deliver the word of the Lord. And I also heard the Lord say this. The Lord says, truly in your life, in the coming days, the pen will be be mightier than the sword that's what i heard the pen will be mightier than the sword and the lord says you need to see it you need to have faith for the projects that i've given you even the writing projects the lord said i'm going to breathe on those writing projects and they are going to establish something and i believe that even your writing will pop over some of those portals whoa lord we just thank you god for this gift 
Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for this prophetic anointing, Lord, that rests on this man. I just honor right now his legacy, God, in the prophetic movement. I honor his legacy, God, in revival. And Lord, I pray, let it fully pass, Lord. Lord, let my generation not miss out on anything, God, on anything, Lord. We choose to honor, Lord. We choose to revere, Lord. We choose to respect, Lord. We choose to value what you still have on your life. Whoa, there's been many people that have not seen the value. But the Lord says, this has not been hidden from them. This has been hidden for many of them. The Lord says, I have put something of value on the inside of you that only a certain company of people with a certain heart can see. The Lord says, I, the Lord, have done this. I, the Lord, have preserved something. And the Lord says, it's not cheap. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. Only a few can see it. Only a few can extract this oil. Lord, let me be one of them. I don't know about you. I'm a little greedy. Oh, come on, just stretch your hands forth right now, saints. Lord, we just bless right now. We bless, Lord. We honor. And I just speak right now in the name of Jesus. Everything that's been held back, everything that's been preserved, let it come out in the name of Jesus. Let it flow right now in Jesus' name. Let it flow with power in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for it. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a mighty shout. Bless you. Well, you see, a lot of times you don't know these things. You don't know these things unless we connect the dots at times. But literally, there's been so much that's come. And literally, I believe that I had an encounter with the Lord whenever you prophesied New York over me. And you guys know that whenever words are spoken, Jesus said, my words are spirit and their life. Okay, there's literally substance that comes forth when it's a real word of the Lord, the substance of Christ himself, the word made flesh. That's what the prophetic word is. There's an impartation of the substance of Christ himself and then that anointing goes with you and literally there's an anointing on the word to go and create it, to go and make it happen, to go and bring heaven to earth effectually. But there's something special that God does with prophets at times, with prophets. And I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, I saw this this quote the other day on Facebook by Jim Baker. How many of you guys know who Jim, Jim Baker is? And it really struck me, and this is the word of the Lord. He said that the office of the prophet is going to be the most important office in the days to come. And you see, this is being warred against on every level. I'm telling you right now, from the beginning of time, there has been a company of prophets. There always has been. There's scriptures like this that the Lord talks about as prophets. Amos chapter 3, he says, I will do nothing. That's right, nothing. Unless I first tell it to this special company of people called the prophets. Now I know that God's opened up the prophetic through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I know all y'all are prophetic, amen? But not everybody stands in the office of the prophet. Right? I believe partly it's because not everybody would survive. Most people would not survive, literally. And when you sign up to be a prophet, I've been saying this lately, who wants to be a prophet? It's like you sign up for hell. Oh yeah. That's your best life now for the prophet. It's hell. It's constant confusion. It's constant spiritual warfare. It's constant misunderstanding, mischaracterizing. Oh yeah, that's right. It's like every day. Constant betrayals. 
you become this super magnet for like devil attacks. Who wants to be a prophet? Hey, this is what a prophet is. A prophet, many times the Lord has to make hard. He has to make hard, immovable, like a pillar. And what do prophets do? They stand there in the midst of storms that are trying to push the church way over here, culturally, that are trying to push the church way over here doctrinally. And the prophets have to be the jerks a lot of times. They have to be the people that stand there. And yes, God makes them hard at times. He makes them hard intentionally. But they're not being hard against God's people. No, God loves his people. They're battling spirits. They're prophesying against spirits. They're saying God doesn't want his people to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by every seducing spirit. Yes, that's right. The deceiving spirits are very seductive. They are the most sexy. I use that word a lot. Because I think it translates. You understand what I'm saying? But prophets have to be the guys that stand there and they don't move. And they're and they're called intolerable and they just haven't evolved with the times. And you know, I had someone walk up to me in New York. I had a pastor walk up to me and he said, Stephen, you're the oldest young man I know. And I'm like, is that a compliment? I don't know. Like, is that supposed to be a compliment? And I like had this suit coat on and this whole thing. And I'm like, yeah, I admit it. I look like my dad. Hallelujah. Never thought I would say that when I was a young man. Hey, shakarabu shambaya. But yes, there is something that God's wanting to do right now. How many of you guys know some things are not about culture? Some things are not about the times. Some things are immovable, unshakable, unchangeable, because God is unchangeable. God does not change. God has certain ideas about what's right and wrong. He has certain ideas about how things should work. And it's been crafted, I don't know, over a kajillion billion eons out of divine wisdom. Absolute divine wisdom, which our wonderful social warriors think they've outsmarted God in. And God crafts it so wisely in such a way that you actually have to have blind faith. You actually just have to believe the word. What a concept. What a concept. Did it ever dawn on us that God would actually intentionally craft things that would not make sense to your carnal thinking? Jesus said it over and over again. Hey, I'm using simple parallels that you can draw from in the natural, Nicodemus. What if I told you of the real things? What if I told you of the deeper things? Bam. Are you guys hearing me tonight? God's ready to really come and open up the deeper wells to the church right now. But you know, so much of the church is so carnal and so worldly, those deeper wells will not help us. They'll hurt us. They'll tear us apart. They will. I'm telling you right now. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, just shelve it. Put it on the back burner. But I promise you, I'm prophesying out of a scroll right now. There are places that God wants to bring the church that we're not ready for. It will destroy us. Because we don't understand the ways of God anymore in the American church. In many cases, we don't understand the ways of God. We're resisting the ways of God. We're resisting His processes. Even some of the processes I've talked about tonight as a prophet, we're resisting those things out of carnality, and we don't even know it. We're trying to save our own lives. You know how dumb that is in heaven? You know how idiotic it is to try to save your own life in heaven? Jesus said it very clearly. If you try to save it, you're going to lose it. 100%. 
If you lose it for my sake, you're going to find it. Completely contrary to carnal thinking. Completely contrary to the ways of this world. And that's a lot of times when prophets begin to speak. Even in the day which we're living in, a lot of people can't hear. Having eyes they can't see. Having ears they can't hear. Sound familiar? Paul wrote about this in Romans 11. He said, do not be puffed up. Do not be arrogant. Think not for a moment that if Israel was cut off for their unbelief and for rejecting Jesus, think not for a moment that you won't be cut off. That's what he said. New Testament. New Testament. That's right. Are you guys hearing me here tonight? But I saw this, this angel last year. His name is Breakthrough Revival. He visited Randy Domain in 2004 in Nigeria. And he visited Bob Jones in 2006. And when he visited Bob Jones, he appeared with 11 other resurrection angels. And a lot of these resurrection angels, they work in the harvest. The Lord is ready to bring right now a harvest by pure power. You know, that's the way of heaven. You know, that's Jesus' way of harvesting. He wants us to bypass, you know, I don't know, Walmart tactics for manipulating people into a place where they can buy and sell. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? This is actually what they teach in church growth seminars. They teach what kind of music to play when your customers, that would be you guys, walk through the doors that would put you in the psychological move to buy and to sell and, and, you know, to do commerce or whatever, whatever that means. To put you in the mood to receive whatever it is we're selling. Which I thought it was supposed to be Jesus. And I thought it was supposed to be take it or leave it. And I thought it was supposed to be come and buy you that have no money. Are you hearing me? But this is like, this is the substitute that we have in many places and in many cases in a powerless culture. And yes, we got breakthrough in some places. I mean, we got Bethel up the road here. I mean, stuff's shaking. Hallelujah. Stuff's moving but not like God wants it. I'm telling you, if, you if, I, if I only had like a whole seminar here to talk about some of the encounters I've had in New York since your prophetic word sent me there, and what this guy, Charles Finney, experienced. I mean, we're so arrogant in many cases. We're so stuck up in many cases. We think we've arrived, right? And when you read the writings of some of these revivalists, we would, you would think that, oh my gosh, these guys are so religious. Like, these guys are so, you know, just old school religious. But man, they moved in some realms of power and shaking of culture we could only dream of. Literally. And we think we've arrived. And that's one of the biggest things we're contending with right now in the American church is pride. It's pride. And it's, it's a Laodicean symptom. We think we're rich. We think we're increased. But actually, if you do not have a deep, deep walk with the Lord, riches and increase and prosperity actually hurts you. It takes you further away from God. And that's what people don't understand. Even in the carnal gospel, that's why God is going to shake America. God is going to shake America down to its bones, down to its core. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you as a prophet. This is part of the scroll that Gabriel gave me. God is coming to shake this nation because He loves this nation. He loves this nation. And in our carnal gospel, we think that we could just keep fueling sin. We think we can just be, you know, be nice to sinners and then just bring them all in. 
show the niceness of God. And in many cases, it doesn't work. Read Isaiah 26. It says, in your prosperity, you've gone further away from the Lord. Gone further away from the Lord. I wish everybody would respond that way. I wish everybody would respond like I responded as a kid. You know, my parents didn't have to, you know, threaten me, you know, with hell or whatever to get saved. I just grew up in a wonderful godly home and a wonderful church, and I wanted Jesus. Hallelujah. What a concept. But it doesn't, like, it doesn't happen like that for everybody. And there are some spiritual forces at work right now. It's the mixture of the tares and the wheat that's taking place right now in an unprecedented way. There's such an entanglement right now with God's precious wheat and those tares right now. It's going to take great fire. It's going to take great shaking to separate some of it, to break some people free. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you remember what Jesus said. He said, when it comes time to separate, I'll send the angels and they'll bring fire that cannot be quenched. Fire that cannot be quenched. Unquenchable fire. And they'll toss those tares into there and burn them with that unquenchable fire. What is that? That's actually the mercy of God. That's the love of God to deal with those things that are dragging our nation down. That's sending our nation to hell. There's such deception right now at work in the church. There's such a humanistic spirit right now at work in the church. And trust me, I'm not, just, I'm not being Mr. Negative here. I'm actually ministering out of a scroll that I received. This is revelation. I was telling Nathan earlier, I just minister out of what God tells me to minister out of, and you know, I move on to the next scroll. I move on to the next thing. I'm not like stuck on judgment. But it's a very, very important scroll right now because it's preparing God's people for what's to come. It's preparing God's people for what's to come. There are many people that need a message like this because when the shaking occurs, it prepares them for that shaking. It prepares them to run into the arms of Jesus. Do you understand? I'm telling you right now as a prophet, the pain is coming and there ain't nothing you can do about it. There ain't nothing I can do about it. The pain is coming. I'm telling you, the crushing is coming. The press, the all the press is coming to America. It's going to increase. You've been seeing some of the symptoms of it. You've been seeing some of the symptoms of lawlessness, some of the symptoms of civil unrest. It's going to get worse in this nation. But God is preparing a people in the shaking to turn to him because you do know that he's our only hope you do know that the issues we're facing with violence in this nation it's not going to be solved by giving in to some communistic spirit that wants to take the guns no that's humanism that's you trying to do what only god can do only god can cure the human condition in the human heart only the gospel but you have, I'm telling you right now, you have these antichrist spirit that has penetrated the church and it's exalted, exalted self as God. What happens when the antichrist spirit exalts you as God? Well, you start to turn to each other for the answers that only God can provide. And I'm hearing this garbage in the charismatic church. I'm hearing this garbage in so-called kingdom reformers, kingdom builders. You can reform the system all you want, but until the gospel of Jesus Christ transforms hearts, it's not going to change. That's right. And in many cases, I'm called old school. I'm called religious. I'm religious for still believing the gospel's the only answer. But this is the insanity. This is the deception. 
And of course the enemy wants you to turn to us. Of course the enemy wants you to turn inward and not look up. Because then he provides the solution. Right? You ever heard of the Antichrist spirit? He comes and provides peace. Are you hearing me? You know this is coming. It's coming. On a massive scale. Regardless of what people have told you. No matter how rich they are, no matter how influential they are, it's coming. The Lord will allow that tear, that particular tear, to be fully grown and fully matured in the earth. And then he'll cut it off. He'll cut it off with his coming. He'll cut it off in front of the whole world. The whole world will see that he is king. He is Lord. Amen? But he's going to allow everybody to choose. He's going to allow everybody to choose. But when I was visited by this angel, this angel came to me, and he must have been standing nine, eight, nine feet tall. He was huge. He was massive. Just to stand in his presence was to shake uncontrollably. Fear the Lord. How many of you guys know the fear of the Lord's coming back to the church? And so the Lord told me. The Lord told me in this recent spring of uh, this, this recent string of school shootings, I was actually taken prophetically through a prophetic experience into the first school shooting before it happened. I don't know if any of you heard that. I prophesied it before it happened there in Texas, and it was on Highway 35. In Texas, back in January, there was a young girl that was shot in a cafeteria. I was taken into the cafeteria before it happened the day of. The Lord showed me it. The Lord told me, tell everybody, all my followers, all my intercessors, pray for the schools, that there's a massive assault coming against the schools from the devil. And sure enough, we had like 18 school shootings right in a row. But the Lord showed me, he said it was off of Highway 35, and he said, look to Isaiah 35, Stephen. And it's the highway of holiness. It's the highway of holiness. The Bible says, by the fear of the Lord, the snares of death depart. You depart from the snares of death. By the fear of the Lord, a fountain of life flows. The Lord says, when the church and when this nation turns back to the fear of the Lord, returns to the highway of holiness again, there they will find their protection. Not in gun laws. There's been guns in this nation for hundreds of years. And we've never had a school shooting problem. Why? What's the correlation? I'll tell you what the correlation is. When you turn from God, demons take over. That's the truth. And it is not going to get better no matter how much you reform the school system. There's people that actually believe that nonsense. They actually believe that you can reform the system and everything will get better. No, the gospel is still the only answer. Now, am I saying, you know, set up your school system in such a way that's dumb and idiotic and not according to wisdom? <laughs> no. I mean, be a reformer. Hallelujah. Build it according to the blueprint that God gives. But preach the gospel. Amen. Moving the glory. Moving the power. Take out that sword. Cut some people free. Oh, but Stephen, they'll get offended. Good. Maybe they need to be offended. Jesus offended people on purpose. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, you Jews. I mean, he didn't say it like that, but... I mean, he's speaking to Jewish people under law where it's illegal, unlawful to eat flesh, to drink blood. And he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. I don't know why that came into me. It's that southern thing, right? Hey... 
And then he did not bother to explain himself. I'm told that all the time. Stephen, I think your message is wonderful. It's right on point, but you need to do a better job explaining yourself as not to, you know, unintentionally offend. I said, but Jesus came to me and told me to say it that way. Oh. That's right. It's not just about what you say. Many times it's how you say it. It's how you say it. Jesus just put stuff out there all the time. And it was like massively offensive. Like so unbelievably offensive. And we think that we've won up Jesus. We think that we've figured out a better way to do it. You know, it was actually Jesus the prophet that actually got him killed. You realize that, right? One of the accusations that was brought against him was, hey, he said that he's going to destroy the temple and raise it again in three days. Blasphemy. That was one of the accusations that was brought against him in the Sanhedrin that actually got him turned over to Roman crucifixion. You know, Jesus spoke that as a prophet. He spoke prophetically. I'm going to tear down this thing, raise it up again in three days. We're moving from the old covenant into the new. I'm tearing down the middle wall partition. There's no longer going to be Jew and Gentile. There's going to be one new man in me. course did they hear that no they didn't god's coming with some words right now to the american church and make no mistake about it they are trying our hearts these words are they're trying our hearts i was reading today out of john sanford's book how many of you guys know who john sanford is once again part of timothy's fruit in my life he gave me he he, he led me on this book by john sanford called the elijah task Uh, It was before I was visited by the Spirit of Elijah. And I can't tell you, brother, how much I appreciate that book. I mean, that man understands the Elijah anointing. When I was first visited by the Spirit of Elijah last year, it was so hard, you guys. It was so hard. I would just read that book and just weep. I was like, someone understands what I'm going through. He talked today. You know, I was reading on my broadcast earlier about how he talked about how John the Baptist, when he came, he wore camel's okay hair, but it was actually the bristle was turned inward. The hard bristle was turned inward. And that's how prophets are. That's how John the Baptist's prophets are. You know that John the Baptist was beheaded at 32 years old when I was visited by the Spirit and power of Elijah and the whole earth shook, literally, under a sonic boom that came from heaven in Australia last year. It was right when I turned 32. He was beheaded at 32. I mean, I can't make this stuff up. I'm like, great, I get to lose my head now. Hallelujah. And I've just been had some head hunting, some serious head hunting going on. But that man, that man understood so much. He understands so much. His legacy lives on. But he understood exactly what we're being faced with right now. God's raising up this order of prophet. You know, there was one person that was contending with me really, really hard when I first came out with some of this stuff. And then they came around in a couple of months, and this is what they said on a Facebook post. They said, hey, we've been praying for the awakenings of old. We've been praying for the awakenings that Edward and Whitfield and Wesley and Finney experienced. But we, did it ever dawn on us that maybe we've got to start preaching what some of, some of what they preached if we want to see what they moved in? You know that Jonathan Edwards... Sinners in the hands of an angry God. The most famous sermon in American history. Yeah, that's right. That was being preached in revival. And you better believe it was the Spirit of God. 
you better believe it was divine utterance. You better believe that. Because let me tell you something. Hell, sin, destruction, death, eternal separation from God. Oh yeah, it is that much, that, hor- that horrible, that much horrible. I can't talk. Jesus. It is that horrible and then some. You can't even describe it as an eloquent preacher. You can't even come close. But God gave that man an anointing. He gave that man an anointing to bring forth a truth. Yes, it is a truth. And literally, there were such spiritual manifestations that would take place during his sermons. People could literally feel the flames of hell coming up through the church floor. They could literally feel it. And when they felt the heat as Jonathan Edwards was preaching, they ran to the altar. It was a word from God. Yeah, we look at that stuff today. I've heard preachers, some of the most powerful, influential preachers in the charismatic movement, mock that man and mock that sermon. You know what? When you have his fruit, you can mock him. When you have his fruit, you can disagree. That's what I tell people about my brother Todd Bentley. Have you led stadium revival in America? Have you seen 37 people raised from the dead? Then shut up. You don't even know what it's like to be at that level. New levels, new devils? Yeah, that's right. It's a real thing. I heard someone recently say, oh, new devils, new levels in God. Yeah, that's true, new levels in God, but you better believe it. New levels, new devils. You better not get presumptuous. There's demons out there that that's all they've been doing for 2,000 years is getting prophets wrapped up in the spirit of divination. Even Michael, when he was confronted with Lucifer, over the contention of Moses' body. You know where I'm going with this. He did not bring railing accusation against him. He said, the Lord rebuke you. I'm not touching this. The Lord rebuke you. Yet I hear these hyper-grace preachers bringing railing accusation. They're deceived ages ago. They don't even know it. That's right. That's one of the cancers that me and Gabriel got to cut out of this body this one time. Written on it was hyper grace. And it was right behind the heart and the lungs. Huge, massive tumor. It took three hours to cut this thing out. I mean, and I had to be in the prophetic encounter for a whole three hours. I was like, right? She got up. I was like, can't we hurry up here? Can't we do a little shaka, charismatic bam, you know, and just, it's done. Right? cancer out I mean do we really have to I mean this is kind of what was going on in my head of course I would never say anything while Gabriel's standing there because he's like pretty awesome you know Gabriel means warrior of God Uh, when I was first visited by Gabriel last year it was the most intense encounter it's it's the top like one of the most top encounters I've ever had it woke me up at 4 o'clock in the morning just by the fire that Gabriel walks in the atmosphere, glory and fire that it carries, it woke me up out of a dead sleep. And I was breathing in an atmosphere of fire. Like breathing in. It was like every molecule just lit on fire in the room. And he walked up to me and said, I am Gabriel. And I said, hi. No. <laughs> no, I was actually scared to death. I was scared to death. And then literally, I was sick for days. 
physically sick from the encounter. And then I was reading through Daniel chapter 9, and Daniel got sick too. He literally got sick. And yet, you hear these people in the charismatic movement, oh, I saw this, and I did that, and I went to heaven, and they're like unaffected. They're like unchanged. Me, I'm so messed up. I'm so messed up. I mean, even you've seen it. You've seen transformation since I've been here, since the first time I came. It's like every time I come, I'm like, ah, I don't know. It's like a new level of, ah, ah, she can't abuse somebody but these are real encounters. These are real encounters. I'm going to talk more about my Gabriel encounter tomorrow. So you're not going to want to miss that tomorrow. It's some heavy stuff. Let me tell you. It's some heavy, heavy stuff. But this one time I was, in the second encounter that I had with Gabriel, we were cutting out this huge cancer. And he said, you have to be very careful. You have to be very patient. This is what he said. Lest you damage the vital organs. So you're, you're shaking under the power with like this surgical tool. You're like, how is this going to happen, you know? And we went deep, deep into the body. It was behind the heart and the lungs, those vital organs. We pulled out this massive tumor, and written on it was hypergrace. So you see, it hides behind the heart, and it hides behind the lungs. The lungs are those inspirational gifts. The devil likes to get in the pulpit and preach his doctrine. It's called doctrine of demons. And the heart, how many of you guys know that the grace and the love of God, that's the heart of God? How many of you guys know that? That's the heart of God. And you see, it conveniently hides behind that, and the deception, the demon says, you can't touch me. You can't touch me. You're not allowed to touch me. I'm the grace of God. And it's not. It's a demon. That's why God brings prophets with swords. We're like, ah! Right? And we're like, hey Shambaya! what that was Chinese tongues hallelujah <laughs> whoa I feel like sometimes the more goofier I get like the more anointed I feel I don't know <laughs> whoa like there's this holiness thing but there's also like playfulness like childness ah and it's like sometimes we're convinced that we have to choose one or the other why I mean that's Greek dualism just get out of that you don't have to choose. You can be holy. You can be, oh, and then you can be, ha, ha, you can be a child. Okay? And God's not like schizophrenic. He's not like making you choose. You must be a holiness preacher. And if you're a holiness, fear the Lord. I don't know, Brownsville graduate, you have to be this. And if you're not this over here, then you have betrayed the code. And I go over with Todd, and I'm like, ah, it's like crazy revival, and the place is blowing up, and tumors are exploding out of people's bodies and it's wild and it's nuts and I'm like this is so awesome hallelujah and then at times I get up right in one of Todd's service and I'm like the Lord rebuke you hey <laughs> everybody's like what but you know <laughs> but you know my brother Todd like, like he's all down with it. He's like, this is God. And like he receives correction. He like receives rebuke because he knows it. He's like been around other prophets, you know. And prophets got to let you have it. They do. It's for your own good. It's for our own good. But this is the scripture. This is the reason why I got to, um, to John Sanford earlier. He was talking about Elijah and John the Baptist laying the axe to the root. Okay, this is what I saw today. It's Matthew 3. 
And this is what happens before every move of God. I'm telling you, there's a massive move of God that's coming. It's here, but it's coming still. Okay, otherwise, yeah, she get it by We're allowed to say, hey, we're not in the full manifestation of it. Okay, we're allowed to say that and not be people of weak faith. Okay, we're allowed to say that. People think that they have to give up hope for faith. Yet hope and faith are unique in and of themselves. You're allowed to embrace both in divine tension. What is faith? Faith is now. Faith is what you're moving in now. I'm telling you later, I believe we're going to smack some miracles and it's going to be now faith. Amen. Bam. Not 50 years from now when you got enough faith. Now the miracle. We've been seeing so many miracles. It's unbelievable. But then there's this thing about hope. The Bible says, why do you hope for the thing that you have? You hope for that which is coming. Yet in many cases... We've thought in the church we're more spiritual if we give up our hope. Well, let's give up the hope of Jesus' return because we're super spiritual and we're kingdom now and Jesus already came. Come on, hit it. Deceived. Deception. What happens is you start to settle. What happens, you don't even know it. You start to settle. And there has to be this divine tension. Somebody say tension. tension. There has to be this tension. Kingdom now, but not yet. I know who I am, but it does not yet appear who I'm going to be, what I'm going to look like. But when he comes, I shall be like him. Amen? I'm justified. I'm glorified by faith, by his grace to finish works. But I'm going from glory to glory. I'm being transformed into the same image as I gaze upon him. Why can't we embrace both? Why do we have to mess it all up? And we, we must choose the incorrect hermeneutic of saying that everything's done and nothing will manifest in the future. It's incorrect. It's not right. And it messes things up. Don't let, this is what the gospel writers said. They said, don't let nobody take your hope. Don't let nobody take your hope. Nobody, no matter how spiritual they are, no matter how rich they are, no matter how many books they've sold. How about this? No matter how wonderful of a man or a woman of God they are. Oh, there's a big one. God is supposed to be your God, not your preacher. Are you hearing me? But listen to this. this you see, this is another reason. See, part of my call right now is to help kind of reintroduce prophets to the body of Christ in many cases. Because they've been lost from many streams. They've been lost. They've been abandoned. They've been put in the dungeon. You know, like Herod put John the Baptist in the dungeon before he cut his head off? That's what always happens. It's, it's demonic. You know that it was Jezebel that was feeling that. It was Herodias. The Jezebel spirit that was behind that. And it always starts with sequestering the prophets. Oh, those prophets, they're not being invited to the conference anymore. They're not being put on the television platform anymore because they say things and it makes the ratings plummet. And then that's your God. And you're just going to put the most cushy, itching ear thing up there that drives your ratings. And in many cases, Jesus walks right out of your studio and he says, I'm no longer hanging out here. That's right, I'll take my lampstand with me. Lampstand, bye. In case you're wondering, that's scripture. That's not the product of my old religious mindset that I got from my Levitical priesthood. I don't know. 
That's the words of Jesus. New Testament. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that's the words of Jesus in the book of Revelation. Oh, wait, Stephen, I thought that was all fulfilled by 70 AD. Baloney. Oh, that's what the devil told you to convince you that you don't have to listen to Jesus anymore. And in buying into that, you lost your hope. Like I said, humanism, antichrist. Hey, I have another solution. I'm going to provide another solution on the plane of the earth. Jesus said, if someone says Christ is over here, Christ is over there, don't listen to them because I'm coming back in the clouds. That's right. Everybody's going to see all the earth, all the tribes of the earth are going to mourn when they see me. Why are they going to mourn? It's going to be so awesome. It's going to be so powerful. It's going to be a display of the glory that was locked up in his human flesh when he came the first time to lay himself down as the lamb that was slain. But this time he's coming as the lion. This time he's coming as the lion. And why is it that so many of the nations are going to mourn is because they didn't listen to the prophets. It's because they didn't listen to this message. It's because they didn't listen to the gospel. There is an appointed time, saints. There's an appointed time. Are you hearing me here tonight? I told you there was going to be about 50 billion rabbit holes. Oh, shikirabo sambaya. I think it's kind of a good problem, though. There's like this whirlwind of glory and revelation, and it's like we have too much. We have too much. I've been at some services where it's like, man, like if I could just find that one revelation, and it's like dry, right? Like, oh, I like ministering in places like this where it's like, <laughs> people are like, what just happened? Ugh. They're like punch drunk on the word. Ugh. Hey, hey, it's my machine gun. Just so you know, it's my Holy Ghost machine gun. They're like, really? It sounds like a kitten. Something else that's gotten in here. I got these cats now. They come up next to my head at night and they. And I'm like, I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like, what is that? Like, is that the glory? What is it? And I'm like, geez, whoa, it's a jaguar because they've gotten big. I go on these long trips and I come home. They're like jaguars. They're huge. (laughs) Whoa. I have to trust the Lord that you're getting something out of this. Hey. But hey, this is my last scripture. Are you guys okay? You're on spring break. Of course you're okay. It says in, in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 10, Even now, even now, hallelujah, even now the axe is laid to the root. The root. In this other encounter that I have with Gabriel, I see the cancer inside and it's like a root system. It's a root system that's developed and it's spread. And you see, you know that cancer, it all starts with one little cell. You know, that's how faith began in your life as well. That one little seed, the seed of the word, the spermus in the Greek. Through that one seed that was deposited through the preaching of the gospel. How can someone be saved unless a preacher be sent? How can they hear unless the preacher be sent? Romans 10. The seed. Peter said in 1 Peter, he says, you've been born, you've been begotten of the word. The word is spermos. In the Greek, that one seed. That's how it begins with the divine. It's how it begins with the demonic as well. It's just one little thought. It's just one little deception. 
that's contrary to a core truth. And then you begin to entertain it, and it begins to take root. Jesus described it in Matthew 13 about the seed of the word. It has to take root in order for it to bear 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. But what happens when the seed of the enemy takes root? I'll tell you what it does. It doesn't play, you know, patsy with the truth forever. Eventually it takes over and it replaces the truth. It's taken over in some cases and it's completely replaced the gospel. There's churches that don't even have the gospel anymore. If you don't preach the gospel, there's no seed in it. There's no life in it. There's no life to convert. There's no life to deliver from sin. And that's why you don't see righteousness. You don't see deliverance. You don't see power over the enemy in many cases. Because we're not preaching the same gospel. It's very subtle. I believe that I preached very, very strong elements here tonight of the true gospel. What is that? If you want Jesus, you have to die. That's right. You would have a lot more homosexuals being delivered if you told them, hey, if you come to Jesus, you have to die. That's right. With all your homosexual tendencies, die. When you die, you'll be delivered. Because a dead man doesn't want to have sex. Are you hearing me? But you see, we don't do that today. We've been replaced by another gospel. So we go and we just type the talk nice positive things to them. You know, bullet points from the from the self-help gospel that does them no good. Does them no good. Jesus didn't come here to medicate you on self-help baloney. He came here to kill you. To completely annihilate your old man. No residue of him or her left. Now Jesus comes forth. A new nature, a new heart, everything new. Old things have passed away, all things have become new, and all things are of God. If you're having that seed produce in you, you think homosexuality is of God? That's how I know these homosexuals that are in the church, they're not saved. If they're really saved, they would bear the fruits of their salvation. The fruits of their salvation is of God. God does not have sexual issues, sexual identity issues. It's Christ and the bride. Are you hearing me? Yet we welcome them in. Oh, God accepts them. And they're sitting there going to hell in those church services that we've invited them into. In some cases, we're ordaining them. And they're just, the seed is begetting itself after itself all over. And there's this whole cancer that's growing. It's called a false church. It's called an apostate church. And there's millions of people wrapped up in this. They don't even know it. Oh, I tell you, but God's so good, he's going to bring a fire and burn it all down. That's the gospel. You can read about it in the book of Revelation if you want. Babylon burns. As Jesus draws near, false prophets burn. Now, of course, I'm using a little bit of metaphorical language, but there will be some literacy to it as well. But I'm talking about an exposure. I'm talking about God is coming. Jesus is coming. All things that can be shaken will be shaken. Every stone that offends, offends what? The coming of his kingdom. The manifesting of his kingdom. He'll send angels to gather every stone that offends. There's some churches that are stones that are offending the flow of the kingdom. 
He gives us a chance to repent. But if we don't repent, He will remove us. He will remove us. That's coming to the American church. Mark my words. There is coming a fire. There is coming a judgment to the American church in this hour that will make what we went through in the 80s look like child's play. I'm telling you right now, and God's doing it, He's going to do it because He loves us. Not with the American version of love, God's version of love. Which is perfectly infused with wisdom. It has perfect timing to it. God came not one second too early, not one second too late with burning down Sodom and Gomorrah. It was right on time. And there is always the prophets that he's working with up until that point. Praying, interceding, right? You know, I was just in New York once again, and you've had this guy, David Wilkerson, in New York. Ever heard of David Wilkerson? You read through, someone gave me one of his books, published in 1977. And I started reading through some of the prophecies. And it's unbelievable, the accuracy. The things he prophesied about where the homosexual agenda would go in America. The things he prophesied even about some of the issues facing our children. That's right. He prophesied that our children would be at risk. That our children would be at risk even in the schools. And this was in a time in America when you didn't have school shootings. There was a time, I don't know if anybody remembers here, there was a time when school shootings didn't happen. Kind of a correlation there when you remove God, when you remove prayer from school. Other things come in, right? You know, God's been sending prophets like David Wilkerson for decades. Have we heard? Have we heard? No, we haven't heard. And I'll tell you how I know. Because David Wilkerson type ministries have shrunk. And another ministry has grown. Has enlarged. But I'm telling you, saints, God's going to answer Elijah by fire. For three years, he was called Elijah the Troubler. Why are you making trouble? We're living the American dream here. Yeah, why other people are going to hell, but never mind that. We're living the American dream. Why are you making so much trouble? Everything's fine. Elijah was called the Troubler for three years. The Troubler. And why? Because he brought judgment. He did. That was the first thing that came out of his mouth. Shut up the heavens because you have married yourself to Baal. That was the judgment. You've let Jezebel take over. God's trying to bring forth the true prophetic utterance, and you have given into the false prophetic Jezebel. That's what Jezebel is. Jezebel's right in the church prophesying right from the office of the prophet. But Elijah eventually ended up on that mountain, on Carmel. And he drew a line in the sand, and he said, Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Is it Baal? Or is it Jehovah? And of course, nobody chose Jehovah until the power came. Until the judgment came. Until the fire came. That's when they chose Jehovah. And they said, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah's like, all right, grab up all those prophets. Give me my sword. And what is that? That's a prophetic picture of no compromise. No compromise. I know I'm speaking to some people here tonight that have that heart in them. Otherwise, you wouldn't still be here. (laughs) I know I'm speaking to some people that have that heart in them. They want to be used mightily by God in this regard. That want to have none of those seeds maturing in them. That's not the absolute seed of truth. Is that you tonight? The axe is being laid to the root. The root issues right now are being addressed right now. 
Therefore, every tree, every single one of them, which does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. That's right. The axe being laid to the root before the baptism of the Spirit comes is necessary. It's necessary. And this still happens today. Every time there's a Jesus movement, every time there's a Jesus revival, you do know that's what revival is, right? It's when Jesus comes. When He manifests His glory. When He pours out His Spirit afresh. Amen? Every time, there's always some guys like me running around with axes. <laughs> right? And they're like, ah, that's not of God. That's, that's not Jesus. I have people tell me that. We don't want the spirit of John the Baptist. We want the spirit of Jesus. I want to smack him. I'm like, do you not understand that it was the same spirit moving through John that was moving through Jesus? That's why the first words that came out of both their mouth was, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They both said the same thing. It was the same ministry. Amen? But this is what's happening right now, saints. God's laying the root. He's laying the axe to root issues right now. And I want to tell you right now, there's grace to deal with those issues. There's grace to deal with those issues. Because when the glory comes the way it's coming, let me tell you something. And this is the absolute word from the Lord. And you better listen to me because I've been dealing with this lately. This is the absolute word of the Lord. When that glory comes, it's going to mature everything. Even in you. There'll be some things that if you don't deal with now, you will not be able to deal with later. That's one of the things Gabriel told me. He told me, there's something wrong in your heart, son. He said, you better deal with it now while you still can. Oh my gosh, my hand is on fire. Oh, I'm telling you right now, I do this point thing. You ever see Captain Coleman do that? Right? Right? I find myself doing now, and I got it from Jesus. Jesus always comes to me, appears to me, he points at me. He says, you. <laughs> In case you're wondering, that's where Catherine got it. Jesus likes the point. He's a pointer, but you know what the pointer is, right? That's the prophet. It is. I'm telling you right now, I'm experiencing it, Miss Glenda. It's scary. I'm experiencing it. I'm telling you right now. This is the last word, I promise. Then we're shutting this thing down. We're getting crazy in here. Hallelujah. Crazy in the glory. But one of the last prophecies that William Branham released was the anointed ones that would come in the end times. The anointed ones that would come in the end times. He said the Holy Spirit would fall with such heavy rain, and he said everything would come out. Everything. He said that anointing will bring forth the greatest manifestation of Jesus, the greatest manifestation of the prophet, but he said the move of God will also bring forth the greatest manifestation of everything else. The tares. But you see, that's what happens. When harvest time comes, both the wheat and the tares together. Right? I'm telling you, that's the absolute word of the Lord. This is why the axe is being laid to the root right now. And I have to be faithful with this. There's other people that are speaking these messages. I heard today there was an alarm that went off. Did anybody hear an alarm go off? Here in, in Reading today? An alarm went off. I thought that was interesting. 
Nathan told me that. Nathan heard it. There was an alarm that went off, right, where you were. I thought it was interesting because I was doing my broadcast earlier today in, in Sacramento. And the moment a prophet named Jeremiah Johnson came on my broadcast, an alarm went off of my phone. And it shut down my broadcast. And you see, there's been this word coming forth right now. It's Joel 2, 1. Sound the alarm in Zion. Blow the trumpet in the holy hill, in the holy mountain. The day of the Lord is at hand. I'm telling you, saints, it keeps happening everywhere I go. It's prophetic signs. If you don't know who Jeremiah Johnson is, he was the first prophet to prophesy Trump that I know of. He was asked for every major news media, asked him to come on at the beginning of Trump's candidacy. Candidacy. Whoa, I feel the glory on this. And uh, he's one of these prophets. He's like a hammer prophet. Right? His name's Jeremiah. He was called Jeremiah from the womb. A prophet from the womb, just like Jeremiah in the Bible. He comes on my broadcast today. First time I've ever seen him on my broadcast. And this alarm goes off. I'm telling you, there's an alarm going off right now. Hear it. Hear it and heed it. Because the next move of God will bring forth everything. And God wants you to soar in the glory. It's Malachi 4. He wants you to soar in the glory. Righteousness, the son of righteousness, healing in his wings for them that fear him. But the wicked shall be tread underfoot. Ashes underfoot. That's the day of the Lord. As we draw closer, hear me, as we draw closer and closer to the manifest return of the Lord, things are going to get more intense in the glory. Things are going to get more intense. He will have a full separation of the wheat and tares. He will have a bride without spot or wrinkle. Amen? The bride becomes the bride without spot or wrinkle by fire. By the refiner's fire. Amen? So I'm going to make a transition here. And I want to pray for some people tonight. You guys ready for that? But before I do that, I want to just make mention of a few things. You guys know financial glory. Miss Glinda said that I've been visited by financial angels. I actually just had another visitation this last weekend from a financial angel where I saw a financial angel come down and actually bring the offering to heaven that people were offering up and I saw what happened to it when it went into heaven. Incredible. I'm going to share probably that tomorrow night. You're not going to miss that. But this all started with me on an airplane a few years ago when an angel appeared to me on the airplane and we've seen an incredible realm of what I would call financial glory that God's releasing right now because he wants a harvesting bride for the times we're living in. He wants a harvesting bride. And he wants the harvesting bride that's on the scene today to be strengthened in her harvest. How many of you guys want to be strengthened in the thing God's called you to do? Amen? So that's what that message is. I've written it in a book as well, Financial Glory for America, Israel, and the Nations. I begin to open it up and actually prophesy into specific economic situations that are happening right now in America and how it actually relates to Israel as well. And I got my second book on that coming out in May, so I'm really excited about that. I got three books total coming out on it. My second one's coming out in May. But if you guys were here, when the last time I was here? November, I think? If you guys were here last time in November, I talked more about the spirit and power of Elijah, and I'm still ministering out of that scroll a little bit, but I put together an eight-part CD series on him, the spirit and power of Elijah. And like I alluded to briefly tonight, I had a powerful visitation when I was in Australia last year, right after I left New York, and uh, just some incredible now prophetic words that everybody needs to hear. This one's Deliver America. Part of my prophetic gift, hallelujah, is not just seeing the angels, but seeing some of the principalities and 
some of the demons we're facing, and I've been given insight into sp- some specific uh, spiritual entities that we're dealing with here in America. I called this Deliver America. That's part of the reason why we're under the shaking that we're under right now, and we're going to increase in that shaking. It's because there's like a Moses-Egypt dynamic going on right now. God's releasing deliverers. He's releasing deliverers into America, and literally all of Egypt is going to shake, but it's to deliver a nation. Right? It's to deliver a nation. And those that are in Goshen, right, they were preserved. They weren't touched. They had the blood applied to the doorpost and death passed them by. That's you, saints. Christ is our Passover. Amen. Psalm 91 is yours. So this is really good stuff. I always encourage intercessors to get this because it just gives you insight into some of the things that are happening behind the scenes spiritually and it'll make you a more effective intercessor. Then, of course, there's the seer. When I was visited at 19 years old, face-to-face by the Lord Jesus, I was made a seer prophet. The moment the oil touched my head, he took out a, a horn of oil and emptied it on my head when I was 19. And from the moment that oil touched my head, I was a seer prophet. And uh, I talk about, in depth, uh, some teaching on that. And my greatest, my greatest uh, hope when people listen to that is that they don't just learn things, but they receive an impartation. That whatever God has graced me to walk in, it would come on your life, and you would begin to see and hear and begin to experience the spirit realm. Amen? I do need to take up an offering here before I leave tonight. <laughs> As I often do, I, I get to talk in, and then, hey, the offering's at the end. Shiki <laughs> araboya. Are you guys okay? <laughs> Whoa. There's still a lot of glory in here. Do you see that, Timothy? I see a fog in here. Hallelujah that cloud we were talking about but we do need to take up an offering here tonight in case some of you don't know how this works i pay my own way every time i come out here and i just come believing god i just come by faith and god always provides but i just want to ask everybody to consider their giving tonight consider what they would sow into the ministry tonight if you're writing checks you can make them out to eagle's nest right if you're writing checks you can make them out to eagle's nest and if you didn't come ready to give with a, ca- a cash or a check here tonight, do you guys have that card reader, Timothy? Okay, they have a card reader back there. And if you prefer an envelope, just to do it in the privacy of your own seat, we have envelopes as well. Okay, I'll go ahead and give this to Nicholas. And if you need one of those, just lift your hand. But uh, just ask the Lord what he'd have you do tonight. Ask the Lord what he'd have you do tonight. And be obedient. I, I do want people to consider giving their best seed here tonight. Because... You know, what we do is not cheap. It costs money. And we rely on the generosity of our, of our friends, our partners, our followers um, to do what we're doing. Of course, ultimately, we rely on the Lord. But a lot of times, this is the way it works. God requires the church to finance the move of God. That's how it works a lot of times. Paul said, as I ministered unto you spiritual things, you minister unto me carnal things. So it's kind of a divine system that God set up. But please, consider what you would give unto the Lord here tonight. I don't want you to tip me based on how well you think my service was tonight. I'm serious about that. That's The Lord told me in my recent visitation, that's the state of a lot of the offering in the American church. It's tipping the preacher based on how well his service was. You know, like a, like a restaurant. Yeah. And that explains why some ministries are so prosperous and why other ministries aren't in many cases. They get better tips. I'm serious. The Lord actually told me that. 
The Lord told me that. The Lord said, Stephen, I want you to start deciding what you're going to give even before you go to the service. You completely separate it from man's performance. You do know, this is what I saw this last week. I'm going to share more about this tomorrow. But the angel came down and took your offering to heaven. He took it. I don't know how that works. <laughs> hey, somebody's like, where did the offering go? The angel took it. No. <laughs> but, but, you know, hey, shuck out about you. Somehow it translates. I'm going to talk more about that tomorrow. He doesn't re- God doesn't receive everybody's offering. He doesn't. He rejects some of our offering. So here's what you got to do. You got to ask God right now. When you hear from God, that's the word of the Lord. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Hear the Lord right now. And as you give, give in faith and give as unto the Lord. Don't give to me. Give as unto the Lord. And if God tells you to give a hundred, give a hundred. If God tells you to give a thousand, give a thousand. God tells you to give ten thousand. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I'm telling you, this, this is always the case. Always the case. There's always an extravagant realm of generosity that's released when God begins to pour out His Spirit. This is how heaven ticks. God gave His best seed. When the Lord decided to sow a seed into the earth for the redemption of mankind, he looked right at his best seed, Jesus. He said, you're the one. I'm going to sow you. That's how heaven works. Amen? So just ask the Lord. I'm going to give you one more minute. Ask the Lord and just be obedient. If you're watching online tonight, shaka. I'm getting drunk. Hey. Ah, whoa. It's like new waves of the glory that come in when I take offerings. Whoa. (laughs) I often feel some of heaven's greatest kisses during the offering. I mean, God so loves this. Because where your treasure is, your heart is. Our hearts come out a lot of times during this moment. We're tried, we're tested. If you're giving online, you can give at paypal.me slash stephenpowell33. stephenpowell33. Whoa, I believe there's going to be some people healed tonight in their eyes. Hallelujah. Eyes to see. Eyes to see. Whoa. Lord, release it, release it, release it. Alright, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to sow tonight. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give abundantly, Lord. Whoa. Into your kingdom, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that as we sow, we also reap out of your glory, Lord, out of your kingdom. And Lord, we admit here tonight, we confess here tonight that you are our source. You are our source. So even tonight, Lord, in our giving, we look unto you, Lord, the author of the finish of our faith. We look unto you like Abraham looked unto you as the possessor of heaven and earth. You own everything, Lord. You own everything. You own the cattle on a thousand hills, Lord. You have the keys to every door that we need opened in our life. You are the author of favor. Lord, I thank you that as your people give, you're multiplying it back to them, Lord. You're pouring it back out on them, Lord. A multiplied harvest, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're opening up doors that no man can open. You're closing doors that no man can close. Lord, we thank you for favor, Lord. We thank you for financial favor, Lord. We thank you for wisdom, Lord, in our jobs. Wisdom, Lord, in our commerce, in our investments, Lord. 
wisdom with our time. The Lord says, I'm giving some of you new strategies on how to use your time. That's right, time is money. It really is true. Time is money. And a lot of you are losing a lot of it because you're not being efficient with your time. The Lord says, I'm giving to give you new strategies. I'm going to move on you with new inspiration, new ideas about how to invest your time. Quit thinking of your time as something to punch in and you're just trying to get through. Start looking at your time as an investment, the Lord says. An investment. I put you here for such a time as this. You see, this is part of the economy of heaven that flows. It's not just in money. It's in all the resources. All the resources that you have available. Lord, we pray release this realm. And Lord, I pray that you would raise up a harvesting bride here in America. Lord, I thank you for visions like you're giving to my brother Todd Bentley to fill stadiums again, Lord, with stadium revival. Lord, we thank you for all the financing in advance, Lord, for those movements, Lord. We thank you for all the financing, Lord, in advance, Lord, for a stadium harvesting bride here in America. Lord, we pray, let there be a mighty wealth transfer in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that there be a plundering of the enemy's camp, even here in California. Money and resources that are flowing to drugs, that are flowing to sex uh, trafficking, Lord, that are flowing to the cartels, Lord, that are flowing to lawlessness, that are flowing to all kinds of ungodly things. Lord, we pray... Oh, send forth those breakthrough angels. Hey, break through those lines of resource. Break through those flows of commerce, Lord. Hey, Shikarabaya, as David took the stronghold of Zion, Lord, I pray that you would empower a company of mighty men and mighty women in California to take strongholds, Lord. Oh, release it, God. Release it, release it, release it. That's right, saints. David was financed to the throne. He was financed to the throne. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would finance your men, your women into places of influence. Oh, Lord, we come against right now this bill, these proposals that have been put on the books in California. Oh, we come against it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray breakthrough, Lord. Breakthrough, Lord. Breakthrough. Let resources flow to righteous legislation. Oh, Lord, as we sow, as we sow into the heavens, Lord, let us reap of your glory. Let us reap of your favor, God. Let us reap of righteousness in this land. Oh, You guys believe it? Agree with that tonight? The Bible says in Malachi 3 that the priests, they offered an offering in righteousness. And then the Lord said, Then the offering is pleasant to me as in the days of old, and I will come near you, California, for judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, those who exploit wage earners, widows and orphans, against those who turn the alien away. Against those who treat immigrants unlawfully. You see? Malachi 3, it's connected actually to our offering. Can you believe that? You're sowing into the heavens. 
you're reaping of the economy of heaven. The economy of heaven is not just money. Everything that God does has value in it. I want to see California move in the glory, saints. I want to see California delivered. I know I'm just taking up an offering, but it turns into a release of intercession and power. I'm telling you, there's power in your giving. It is intercession. You guys believe with that prayer tonight? Give the Lord a mighty shout. Hallelujah. Take up that offering. Bam. Go ahead. Just give it a little bam when you throw it in there. Hey. We can go ahead and move this. One of the ushers or those who ush. I'll take my water here. Stand to your feet here tonight if you've sown already. Go ahead, just go ahead and join me right now. Pray in the Spirit. Hey! It's wave after wave after wave of His glory. We're going to let you out of here pretty quick, but I want to lay hands on everybody here tonight. If you've already given, come on, just come join me at the front right now. And just begin to make lines up here right now. If I can have a worship uh, Jedi Master. Hey! <laughs> Come on, I dare somebody to pray like a Pentecostal here tonight. I dare somebody to be Pentecostal. Hey! Oh! 